really I think we need to re- put that out. Okay. I think we need to put it out. Okay. But uh, you want to do what? You no, I thought you said you wanted to revisit it because I was like, shoot, I mean, it's so hot and heavy. It's such a hot topic. Yeah, it is. But, but where would we land it? Do you remember your first experience into your like career? Like as from high school, yeah, you had your high school job, but your first understanding that you had to shape a career for yourself. Like let me let me give you an example, right? So I think I think I graduated college or school, high school, like 17 years old. So it might have been the first semester or my second semester at Eastern Michigan University which is about like 45 minutes from Detroit. And this is in the 90s. So you got to remember that the auto industry was still booming. And so maybe the first, maybe the second semester, we're all in college and Chrysler decides to come to our school. And they put us all on the bus. I don't know how I signed up or whatever. I think someone told me like, oh, Chrysler's coming. They're going to give us all jobs. And that was a big thing to get into the plant. You couldn't get in unless you were some type of legacy. You had to get a plug. It's kind of like the studios now in Atlanta. You got to get a plug into this, into the auto industry. So we're like, oh, they're coming to Eastern Michigan. So they put us all on the bus. It might've been like six bucks. So we go down to the testing center and we get there and they were like, this is what you're going to do. It's three rounds of tests. The first round of tests is to see if you can take the widget, that's a circle, and put it on like this nugget looking thing and how fast you could do that. Okay. And we do it for maybe 30 minutes. Widget, widget, widget. I was like, okay, you're in college? We're in college, but they bust us to, to Chrysler because Chrysler's okay. going to give us jobs. And it's 90 grand a year, 90 grand a year in the 90s when gas prices was a dollar. It's okay. a lot of money. Okay, so you're gonna be making cars. I'm, I'm gonna be making. That's what I don't know, but I got okay. a kid. Yeah. Wow. Like this is what's happening. But look at what they did to the brain trust. We're in the late '90s. You bust college kids down. You dangle this beautiful nugget of carrot over their head of maybe you start at seventy thousand dollars, which is a ton of money for someone at that time. And are you gonna stay? I mean, I passed the first test. I get to the drug test because it was the next day. But either that night or that morning, I grabbed a lemon poppy seed muffin. Know where this is going. <laughs> so obviously, I failed the drug test. Mm-hmm. And because I failed that drug test, I am not a Chrysler. But the other part of it is, is six, maybe seven years later, the whole market crashes and everyone loses their job. So now the people who dropped out of college mm-hmm. have nothing to fall back on because they've been, a, let me not call them monkeys. It's not right. But those tasks are menial. They're not tasks that you can use your brain on too much. I mean, you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. So what are you saying then? I'm, um, the system is well against I'm, us in a certain way because you said you were in college. Is it? Or is the government, is the government like taking brain trust out? Because I don't recall a lot of white people on that bus. Well, also you missed that important piece it wasn't a lot of white people on that bus it was like, probably came through the black student union for all i know but so I, that was blue collar so that's considered blue collar work take them out of their intelligence education mm. and throw them into the blue collar work because nobody wants to do that anyway at least in that but it's not only that it's socioeconomic too mm-hmm. chances are most 
So the white people there, chances are, on a, you know, they probably have parents that made their life cushiony. We know we're on our own. We know that. And so the first wow. experience I had was like, okay, can you bet on yourself? Like, can you? Like, how's this going to get done? So how did you overcome that? I, I failed the drug test and had to keep going. So what, did, so, what, did you, what were your next steps after? Did you learn from that experience? Like, was that in retrospect? Yes. Okay. Right. Because you, you felt you would have dropped out of college to go get the nine. I don't know if you didn't fail the drug test. I don't know if I would have, but it was definitely. Um, I mean, looking at it, I might have. I think I was definitely saved. I'm not sure, but I don't know. So I'm just. Part of, um, I think part of that experience, like you said, like, monkey is controversial. It is, but. I mean, if that's how you felt, you know, I, I mean, here you are at a university, you, you're told that if you go to college, you get your degree, then you're going to have a corporate job, right? So I'm sure that that was. Fun. Did they tell us we have a corporate job? Because Michigan doesn't rely on that. You get a job. Mm. That's not how Michigan works. They don't think that way. And I guess maybe not for a, maybe that was my perspective. Not for brown or black. Oh wow! And not for an, I, not that I'm aware of. Were you told you get a corporate job? Well, here's the thing. My you know my experience is so different coming from Jamaica. It's just a whole different ball of wax. Like I came believing I could conquer the world. Well, why like is that? Anything that I did. But, but why, like, who told you that? My family. Mm-hmm. So you're saying your family didn't tell you? No, they let you go. Like, mm, I guess you figured it out. <laughs> like, no one's going, you're going to be the most amazing person. But I think, but I think here, hmm, well, maybe your family. Let it out. Know. What was that? Hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we are some total of our parents, of our household. So I was going to go in a different direction, but I guess we have to take it a step backwards as to how you were raised and Mm. the love that you received and the nurturing that you got. And, you know, did your mom tell you, oh, I love you? Did dad tell you you could do anything you want? I don't know if you have that kind of time when you're trying to pay the bills, you know, with a house full of kids. How many siblings did you have? When I, well, it's 11, well, it's 13. So one is two are deceased. So now it's 11. Okay. Right. It's so by the time I came along, there were seven people in the household plus some cousins. So y'all just trying to survive and save the It doesn't work that way. you like, you just kind of that. manage your way out. Uh, okay. So what did you see I have my own. doing? So um, I don't want to get too deep. We're about to get deep. It's ridiculous. Well, I think that's why we're here, right? So, Properly but this is, Well, yeah, but let's, let's try this, right? Oh, God, just about to get way too deep. The trick of it is, is I had a vision for the life that I wanted because I was always smart. I was always in some gifted program. I had friends that were smart. I didn't know what weed was growing up. I, I didn't know what a gang was growing up. I had I didn't have these experiences, right? So I'm in my bubble. I'm in my bubble bubble of mom, dad, and I'm the smart one. And I read books where everybody else playing the game kind of thing, watch TV. Like I am the eyeball. So you yes, exactly. And I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> so 
I enjoyed it because it gave me rewards, right? Mm-hmm. So it gave me rewards in school and I was looked at differently and all these things. So I had this life for myself. My life was interrupted when the life that I had planned for myself altered in a way that wasn't on my behalf, right? So you get pregnant as a teenager and you're the smart one. What did I do? Well, it's two things. You got you got two choices in Detroit at that time. You can go to this school called Nancy. And at Nancy, you would go for the school for pregnant girls and you would go be an RNA or a CNA or whatever, some nursing assistant. And there you go. You can make a life for yourself. You don't have to live on welfare, right? And that was it. That's what you got. Oh, wow. Yo, you could be a cosmetologist. Those are your options now. They're like, your options are over. I saw it happen to people I knew. because I was like, that's not going to happen to me. So you broke the mold. Well, that mold hurt. <laughs> so it hurt like hell. My mother always told me nothing good in this life comes easy. So you paid the price for breaking the mold and not ending up in that situation. Nancy school uh, for from the, I mean, not, not that there's anything. There's wrong nothing wrong with, with that. It, I just had different expectations, had different goals, and dreams for yourself. And I refused to be a statistic. Right. Like that was my thing. You refused to be a statistic as a teenage mom. So you overcame. Fine. You did. Fine. And you had to give yourself credit. Because you said you had a plan in your life mm. that was taken away from you unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And so you can't discredit that that's a big win, that you did not end up as a statistic. Okay. I do. I do take credit okay. for that. It's, not, <laughs> it's not that. Hello? It's not that. It's, you know, you just I'm get to this point. Oh. So now I'm, I'm Here's the voice. the new... You never shared that before, and I know that we're gonna have yeah a, a radical awakening. But I, but here's our sessions together. But what's funny is who I gravitated towards, right? Because I had a lot of sur- surrogate moms and surrogate parents, um, often friends that just lived a different lifestyle. And I was like, okay, I need to get more. So even when I look at you, and I realize, I remember the time you told me at your kitchen table, oh, I've never fought before. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Did you have siblings? What do you mean? Ah, uh, okay. We always fought. Okay, well, yeah. You fought them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you're not on the street. Like, let me go yeah, beat you I up. Had a little fight at school with kids. No, like, like yeah. I know. I fought. Oh, what? Okay. You see me and my brother fighting today. No, no, physical fight. Oh, physical? Yeah. I did burn him though. That's not the same. See, our stuff is like. You get on top, and she's trying no, to get you, and then I've you roll her over. We did <laughs> not do that. I, we did not. Ours was more, you know, pinching or, you know, like, but not like, you know, getting in on the, on the face. So, no. Okay, so that was the experience. So. That's it. But you come from Jamaica. You, you came from private schools and all that stuff, which is, you know, fine. But your expectation is... Corporate America will serve you well. I, I think mine wasn't as I was confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up with I wanted to be a pediatrician. I went to college. They're like, oh, you gotta do 
calc one, two, three, physics. One. I was like, oh, say what? Uh, here I am barely passing a calc with a C plus. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, um, I don't think I can handle the medical field. So what's the next best thing? Uh, let's be a lawyer. So doctor, lawyer, traditional. It, it, it was all tradition. Yeah, it next doctor, engineer. Lawyer, engineer. And I'm like, uh, that's not going to be me. So let's just do the lawyer. You know, let's figure out what field you want to get into. Mm-hmm. So that was my course of action with going to college. I, I did, you know, volunteer. I, I went to courthouses. I, but what's your first experience like, okay. inside, inside? Like, this is what I want to do in corporate America. How <laughs> okay, so that? that didn't happen. I got a little summer job in college. Um, yes, the year before I graduated. Anyway, so I had a job right after, and um, after I had applied to law school, I got waitlisted. So that means that um, I couldn't go to law school when I planned on it mm. so I took this job temporarily so I'm like all right I'll just wait to apply next year I went to the plaza I remember it. I went to the plaza hotel I had a went it was a seminar there was this lady she was standing and selling the application selling selling like she was um in sales, she was in pre-sales. Okay. And it was a room full of people. So I was like, oh my God, that's what I want to do. Don't ask sales? me why she was standing and she was just describing the whole applicate the whole product that she was selling. I was like, I want to do that. Don't ask. So that's, that's what, she did. what I did. That's what I set out to do. I said had my whole career plan and I was like, okay, what do I need to do to get to that point? That's it. And that was it. That was it for me. Because I was like, you know what? I had interned for at an attorney's office. And I was I was like, uh, this lady had a fire hazard. There was paperwork file, file folders, this high. I'm like, this is what you want me to do to help? Mm-mm. That was not it. So I remembered, um, you know, you somehow you got to go with what burns within that fire that's there. So mm. that's what I chase. Mm. So here's the thing, right? You what was your first like bad experience? How long you were at the company that you started from college? Mm-hmm. I was there for seven years. Seven years. So at this point, you're like 28, 29 years old. Yes. Is this? Since you want to put my age out there. I didn't put, we don't have a year. We don't have a year to, uh-huh. okay. to transition. Because I'm, I'm just going to come out in. <laughs> so it's okay. Like, it's okay. Um, but you know the part that we were talking about before? Was that the same company that took your stock options? Ah, you're going there. Okay. Yeah, that that was... So you're seven years at a company. They, they didn't take my stock options. I just didn't get any like everybody else. 
And so I didn't know that until there was an investigation of the company that I was a part of. So you're around here just being the ultimate. Just being the ultimate, the best that I could be, learning everything, thinking I'm the, okay. And I get called into a conference room. I actually get called, yeah, in a conference room. And the guy was like, hey, have you heard of the EEOC? I was like, uh, yeah, I think so. And he was like, so this company is under investigation for unfair practices for people of color. And so you popped up in the audit. Mm. And so he, you know, he questioned me and he asked how long was I with the company? And I think I was there maybe four years in. And he just laid it all out. And he was like, well, let me tell you what the reports are showing, comparing you to other of your white counterparts, including women, you are not getting the pay that you deserve. And he's like, have you heard of stock options? And I was like, uh, yeah, I buy them. He was like, no, not you buying them, but you getting them in your performance reviews, like being allocated that. And so he went through and he was like, yeah, your performance reviews, you were like stellar. Mm. And I was like, uh, okay. He's like, well, other people that got your same performance review were allocated stock option. I was like, okay. He's like, I, I just want you to be aware, let, just let you know what's going on with mm. the investigation. They want to do business with the government. And in order to do business with the government, you have to show that you have their practices as an organization. So that was my, one of my enlightening moments to the pay gap and how I was not getting paid as much as other people. So what are the stock options like? Like break this down. So you're at, in a company, in a corporate, mm -hmm. um, part of your salary, is it? So what happens is during your performance review, they could give you stock options in addition to your promotion. Mm -hmm. So you could get maybe a 10% and back then they were giving you great or I was, and maybe that was the makeup. You mm -hmm. know, you, they would give you a large percentage, which would be a promotion or maybe a paid merit. Mm -hmm. So it would range from like 10 to 15% of your salary in addition to an allocation of stock options. So you could get, 1500 issued to you. So the people of color get no wealth from these stock options when the company is booming, right? And that's the reason why people invest in like the company themselves. Mm -hmm. We always think it's the pay, but it's a lot of it is because of the stock options. Mm -hmm. And so that's how mm -hmm. we know people are building their wealth. So mm -hmm. some, like we're saying, white males definitely are getting these stock, op stock options. Hands down. Right? White mm -hmm. women, maybe. White women, maybe. May, maybe get the stock options. Yep. Black women or brown women definitely did know. Did, definitely did not get these stock mm -hmm. options. We were overlooked when it came to that package. So you can't build your wealth? Oh, it's going to be difficult uh, unless you have an advocate, unless someone you know, understands the plight. And back then, I was like the only one. Dude, this is why I call corporate America 
a six-figure welfare state. Like, that's exactly what it is. Because you're around here, you're thinking like, okay, I went to school. Mm-hmm. I, I check. I graduated. Mm-hmm. Right? Check. I get the good job at an intern in corporate America. Bam. I'm doing amazing. I'm on, on my performance review. Everything's mm-hmm. checked off. Mm-hmm. However, the pull yourself at the bootstraps kind of American dream thing doesn't work when you're giving away my wealth. Like, you're getting enough. Your, your six figures is enough. You should be good enough. You're better than most, so you should be all right. Like, that's pretty much what they're saying. So they're buying houses here and there and everywhere. Meanwhile, you're, you you're like, operating you're trying to save. and place just, of life. You're so operating from a you, place you of don't, life. You don't get the same that they do. And they're going to make sure you, well, they're going to, some people, because not all, are going to treat you as such. That's the trick for me, though, because there's this silent corporate America state where if you say something, you might get fired. And so you might lose your good job down there. If you rock the boat. If you rock the boat. Mm -hmm. So it's like almost don't say anything. Mm -hmm. So you just have to sit and deal with Uh this inequity. Uh That is very true. So you fight in silence if you want to keep your job. At the end of the day, you're like, shoot, you know what? I'm just happy I got a job. Let me uh just pay my bills and but you're to them, you're like, you're doing better, so you should be all right. Oh, why why should you be complaining? Exactly. Exactly. It'll take too so, much to rock the boat, you lose too much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's the inequity of corporate America. It's a system. I mean, I have been in it what for 20 plus years, not as a full-time. I, I vowed never to be a full-time employee again after I went independent. But I, it's a it's a cycle. And it's everywhere that I go because I see things behind the scenes. Um, I, I see the inequities and the injustices that we all face. Women of color, the men. I mean, it, it's some places it's really blatant. Others... You know, you, you got to understand it or you got to be aware to know that it is. So as a woman now, knowing what you know, how would you tell someone to negotiate their stock options or their company leverage? Well, I definitely say do your research. Find out exactly what the benefits offerings are for that company. You know, when it's my review time, what are my options? What can I get? You know, now they'll tell you, oh, there's a range. You could either get a promotion, so that means you'll get a new t- a job title, or you'll get a pay rate increase. Or some companies will give you an allocation of top option. And it doesn't have to be at a direct or an above level. Mm-hmm. Because at that company, I was not a direct and above. I was just a consultant. So... Mm. Or a trainer. So while you're in your performance review, mm-hmm. right? It's like the quarterly or the biannually thing that they it's do. It's normally annually. Okay, so annually quarterly quarterly review. They mm-hmm. may not say you have a allocation stock stock option. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Do you have allocation stock options? And that might be better than the pay raise. That is correct. If the company's doing well. Because if the company is not doing well, yeah, that's a different story. But if I'm sitting yeah. here working at Coca Cola, I kind of yeah. need those stock options. Because you accumulate those stock options. Yeah. Because what happens is you don't, they're not vested until 
you, they'll tell you you have to be here for a year, two years, three years, whatever the vesting period is. It could be five years. But if you get the stock options every year, you could accumulate. I see. Right? I know that's how Beyonce got her money from Uber, remember? So she ended up saying, don't, um, yeah, don't, don't worry about paying me, right? Just give me your stock options. And those stock options turned around worth $300 million. So we really have to be smart on mm-hmm. getting that mm-hmm. yeah, you, understanding. Yeah, you have to be informed and you have to be aware. And a lot of us aren't aware. You know, you got to negotiate your salary. We're, a lot of us are afraid to say, hey, you know what? You offered me... 50,000. They offered Beyonce 6 million to perform. Oh, wow. Right? They offered her 6 million to perform. She said no. So it's the same thing here. Like, here is your $6,000 pay raise. Mm-hmm. And you say no. What about the stock options? Mm-hmm. Because go. that's going to grow my money. There you go. It's passive. If life is pretty stable, mm-hmm. if you're living within your means, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably smarter in the long run mm-hmm. to pull a Beyonce. All right, well, there you go. Just Beyonce. Pull Beyonce. A lot of us aren't aware of, you just want your salary. You're happy, you have a base salary, and you're good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, but you don't know what's really happening with that. Unless you ask the question. Unless you ask. So you have to be educated. So who's telling you about wealth is the question. Is anyone telling us about wealth? That's that's really it. No one's telling you, like, oh, it's not just a salary that you get in corporate America. You go out and... Get that knowledge yourself. And, I, you know, I, at that point, go get the, the benefit package. But, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's not even documented. So we're going to have to talk about that soon. Next up, we've got hot topics, women in Hollywood and their pay gap Ooh. fight. Okay. 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 So have you heard this? So Jessica Chastain, who's known for Molly with Idris Elba, I think that's probably where you mm, remember her the most, yes. and Octavia Spencer, which they always quote her with the help, but I swear she just needs a new mocker, like, because that movie was horrendous, but that's a whole different conversation. So she made sure, Jessica Chastain makes sure that when she does a movie, um, that Octavia Spencer, I'm trying to see what movie this was, but that Octavia Spencer actually gets paid the same. And oh, so, when, they, when they are together filming? When they were together fi- filming. So, so it says that Octavia Spencer uh, helped Jessica Chastain through a difficult period in her life. And so off screen, it was Jessica Chastain who came to Spencer's aid when she learned that Spencer, a woman of color, was making less than her for her Academy Award winning role in The Help. So she became a vocal advocate. Love that. Mm-hmm. So... Quoted from Jessica Chastain, she says, the God's honest truth, I care more about what Octavia is getting paid than what I'm getting paid. Wow. But, I've, but I've got a great life, she said. I am more concerned about her than me, and it's equal pay for equal work. Mm-hmm. Man, if everybody's not like that. But let's think about this for a second. So you've got Octavia Spencer starts her career with The Time to Kill in 1996. Okay, so she's known... She's been out there. She's probably got over 40-something movies since 1996. Jessica Chastain starts about eight years later in 2004. Wow. So in 2004. Come on. Where, where are you going with this? Where I I'm going. know <laughs> what this is The about. experience. When someone comes in who has 
nearly a decade less experience than you, but gets paid more off out of the gate because of their physical makeup. It hurts. It crushes you. It damn near breaks your soul. Because <laughs> I see it time and time and time again. The trick of this is, though, is the reason why this worked is because they had a conversation about pay. They weren't being silent. They say, hey, I'm getting paid $2 million for this film. How much are you getting paid? Well, I'm getting paid $8 million for this film. That ain't happening in corporate America. That's not happening in corporate no, America. People not. don't share their salaries. And why is that? Because that's the system that was created, that everything had to be hush-hush. It's confidential. Your salary is confidential. Because you might not negotiate in the same manner as Mary. So we're going to start out from the gates that your salary negotiation, anything to do with your benefits, because there is an obvious disparity on who's getting what. Yeah. And yeah. It is a disparity. Yeah, but when people are talking together, and you have a vocal advocate. We know white privilege is real. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you have an advocate on the side that can get into the room that you really aren't privy to all the information in that room. So if I put on a white man suit and I look like a white man, I'm going to hear some things that I've never heard before. Right. And so that's the beauty of an advocate. Mm -hmm. right. So part of this is, is how do you trust someone in corporate America to have your back in this way? It's almost like, can you go to them as a black woman or brown woman and say, hey, you know, they have to come to you and say, I'm an ally. What are you getting paid? Yeah, you, you <laughs> that's a good point. Because some people can stab you in the back. They'll make, you know, they'll let you think. That's an excellent point. But let's just play devil's advocate for a second and come from the other side. Because you don't know who to trust. And, and you might go out thinking that someone's an ally. And they really aren't because they're out for their own best interest. So it's almost as if they have to come to you. I, I, I've seen it. I mean, I've, and, and, and hey, we all experience different things. Did you have a, a white advocate at any of your? Of course not. All of my allies were white women when I first started my career. And they came to me. I remember this one white lady. Um, she was, and she was like, Andrea, she was like, you know. She was like, you should be doing big things. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. You, you need to. It's like, there are many different jobs here that you can figure out. And that might have been my trigger. So she helped me. That's how I ended up at the plaza. She was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, go ahead and get out, get out in the field and see what it is. That's how, and that's exactly what happened. What was out there? And I was like, uh, I want to be a product consultant. That's what I want to do. The second advocate was another white woman when I was in training. You know what? I, it was a, I had a white guy. He was my manager. And I, I had my performance review. And he, um, you know, you don't want to seem cocky when you do your performance reviews. And I didn't want to give myself all five. So I gave myself threes and fours. Oh, my, you know. He was like, Andrea, you need to be all. He was like, if you don't believe in yourself, who else? Arrogant. I'm not perfect. You but know. that's what women do. We right. try to put ourselves to the we side. We try to put ourselves to the And he was like... We mm -hmm. shrink so someone else can shine. And we think that's like... Mm -hmm. We're putting our, making ourselves a martyr. 
And I was like, from that point on, all of my performance reviews. No, but if you're getting yeah, paid. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You got to play the game. That's a part of playing, you know, and to. She okay. put herself on the line. Jessica Chastain is not a huge actor. Like, you have to think about what movie she was in, what you saw her in. She's amazing at what she does, but she hasn't been on the scene that and long. And she, she... Well, she's been in it 20, almost 20 years now, but still. Right, and she admitted it. Matt, here's a trick. I've got to feed my family, and I'm scared that if I do this thing, my family might not get the, all their needs met. America is in communities, in the, in the, individualistic. So, by it being that, like... How do you, it's, it's hard to transition out of it. If we were the people of privilege, would you help somebody sit on your same pedestal? I mean, they tried the experiment and we were fine and all that, but you know, but would you, would you help somebody sit on your pedestal? A lot of us would say yes. A lot of women would say yes. If they knew the. But if I'm doing what, but that's just me. So I, I'm, my motives is just to be a good human. Right? And I, I always lift people up because I want them to have what I have. If I've been through the ringer, whatever advice, whatever food, whatever money, whatever I can do to help you, I'm going to do that because I want good for you now because I see that you want good for yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to do whatever I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I, I think it comes with your core values of a human being. So what's important to you? Because people are, some people are selfish. They don't give other people the time of day. They only care about themselves and their motives. And it's the way of the world. It's just how the world goes around. So, I mean, what are your core values? You know? I don't know. I have to list them out, don't I? I guess it's something you have to write down and find out. Because they do change. Yeah, but... Like we said, the core of who you are never the core never, never changes. Me. So, like I told you, I always go inward to figure out like there are certain circumstances or situations that will happen in my life, and I'll stop and I'll think because I'm a processor, right? I don't react because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that making the right decision or my thought process is is clear or that it's without judgment, and so. You know, I know that I'm a very patient person. Mm. I know that I'm very loyal. So once mm-hmm. once I have you in my corner, like, I'm not going to let you go. I think it's, it's two things. That's wonderful as your core value, but the second thing is a privilege to be able to be that way. A privilege? I do think it's How a privilege. How is that a privilege? To be loyal? To be loyal to an extent. Loyalty has hurt people in a lot of ways. Loyalty, say that again. Loyalty hurts people. Look at the comment that um, Akon just said. The reason mm-hmm. why women can take so much, the reason why they can deal with all of our crap, is because they're built that way. Oh, so you're saying loyalty is a fault. Now, hold on now. Yes. <laughs> Let's just put this into perspective. I'm loyal to you, and, and this might be a little conditional, but um, it should be conditional. It is. It is now. Yeah. If, if you're if you're robbing me of my peace, there which you go. There's additional core values that I have. Yeah. If you're robbing me of who I am, and you're throwing me off completely, and that I am outside mm-hmm. of my element, where I'm now forced to be fake, I can no longer be your. You need an authentic person. I need authentic 
genuine people around me, people with depth. Okay. And so that's, those are my core values. So loyal, authentic, mm-hmm. peaceful. Mm-hmm. I, I, will, I treat people the way that I want to be treated. That is, that is, I you know, since I was eight years old, I've, I hated, I've hated the golden rule. I do. I can, it's you know, people, crucial. When people say that, it's annoying. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's so it's annoying. Something, it's something as simple as someone walking through the door and not looking back to see if someone is behind you. Have you thought about that? Yeah, do but you I don't. The door for someone. I do, okay. but then I've not learned everybody not... does. Yeah. Okay, so the last that's you know, just an example. Let's, let me give you another example. Some man held the door open in Detroit. Some man held the elevator open for uh, a woman. He's like, oh, oh, here you go. You know, mm-hmm. let me hold it open. So before he went, he held the door mm-hmm. open so she can go in. He got shot. Want to know why he got shot? Because he was being a nice, kind person, okay. and his. See, I'm just saying you have to be careful under these parameters of treat people and do this and do that because it's not you have to pick the time and place to do so. Yes, no, I agree with that. Because he didn't know it was he, what happened he was the husband know. was jealous. He's you looking at my woman, like you know what I mean. He just got caught in a situation he wasn't expecting, but he was just being a nice person. Okay, that is an exception. It, but you say it's an exception, but it also happens a lot in corporate but America. Like, you might not get shot physically, but you can get shot in certain ways. That is true. You see what I mean? Okay, so you took it back there. Okay, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so You're right. You have to be careful You're who you right. hold things open for and doing all this. I understand that. You are right. And that goes back to you might not know what the motives are of, of certain, certain people. people. So this navigation takes a lot of energy. It does take a lot of energy. So the best thing to do sometimes is to keep to yourself. I know that feels uncomfortable. That's so uncomfortable you- for me because I, I, I love people. And so I will see the good in you first instead of the bad. Now, I know people quite the opposite. I will, you know, observe you and try to connect. I try to see if it's can. I don't, I don't care for good or bad. It doesn't matter to me. Just let me know that you're consistent either way so I can approach you accordingly and accept what I need to accept and move on from when I need to move on, you know? But I need to see that you're from consistent. From the woman who doesn't say good morning. Oh, Lord. Here we go. <laughs> the good morning in corporate America is a forced communication. I might not like you when I'm not saying good morning. I don't wish you well. Oh. So why <laughs> This good morning thing in corporate marriage is the most annoying thing I've ever heard of in my life. I believe that attitude is everything. Yes, it is. Because I, and I, I, people are people at the end of the day. We're not computers. We're not robots. And I'm going to tell you good morning. If I walk beside you and I, we're walking in the hallway, and if you look at me and just turn your head. I won't turn my head. No, I won't. You're going to say good morning? Yeah, so I don't. It's not a mm-hmm. thing about saying good morning. It's just this weird bit. Like when you Are walk, you gonna in, smile? Are you gonna say hello? No. When you walk into a break room, and people are chit chatting, it's early in the morning. <laughs> I'm not about to break y'all chit chat to say good morning. Matter of fact, I don't want to start a conversation. <laughs> I thought you were a morning person. 
I am. I am. I like to think to myself for my mornings. That's my time. I am the morning person. It's not for everybody else. Okay. That's just how that works. But saying good morning to everyone is, I get it. But here's the thing. You have to pick your battles there. And I guess, I guess it's not, you're not going to say good morning to everyone. Like if someone's chit-chatting in the break room, then I'm not going to interrupt their conversation. But if you make eye contact with someone. Yeah, I'll say good morning. Do you? Yes, I say good morning. If someone says good morning to you, are you going to moan good morning? Are you going to say good morning? That is so rude. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> yes, I say good hey, morning. You know, I, I'll say good morning. But you know, some people say like, I say good morning, but they, I might not have heard them. My thoughts are loud. No, I might not have heard them. Oh. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I make eye contact, of course I'm going to say good morning. Yes. I don't know why you think I wouldn't say it, but at the same time, oh, people's energy, I read their energy before I read the good morning. And so if their energy feels off to me, I don't want to engage. I'm very sensitive. So sometimes you might not get in a good morning because I'm like, your energy effed up and I don't want no parts of it. My, I got that part. My okay, system comes right first. My right energy comes first. And you know what? Sometimes a good morning might change their energy if your energy's twisted. Because it has nothing to do with you. It's okay. That that's something to like own, right? Yeah, because that I has mean, nothing to do with they're you. They're like, oh, I'm just walking by you in the in the hallway. Their energy could be messed up from they've been a kid, but whatever, whatever the situation is, you know. But a good morning is not going to hurt anybody. It's you know, it's, it's, we talk about this a lot. So to you, it's just a good morning, right? It's like good morning is simple, but to me, it's like. There are certain things. It takes too much out of you to say good morning. No, too it's not about that. It's not. It's not about that. I'm sorry. It's protection. It's protection. Protection from what? There's two ways, forms of protection. You protect yourself and your energy by speaking first. Hello, good morning. How you doing? All of that. It helps you protect your energy because that's that sets the standard for them. Like when I see this woman, when I see Andrea, that what I have to do is. Like, be in her space. Like, you are protecting yourself from their crap, from their bullshit. You're doing that by saying good morning because it's like, oh, I'm a bubbly person. I'm, I'm a person that's like, I'm going to say good morning, speak to you first. And it is very protective. But the other side of that is not speaking sometimes is also a form of a defense mechanism. They're both defense mechanisms. They both are. Because if you're not the person who says good morning, then I'm leaving it open for you to, to talk about me. To communicate, she doesn't say good morning, or she has a scowl on her face, or she doesn't smile from shit. You know, like all of that stuff comes with it. But the protection is that while we're greeting people, and I'm my business, my own business. If I say, "Oh, good morning, how you doing?" It totally makes them understand that okay, I know what kind of space this is. It's the same reason why the airlines greet you when you come in, and the airlines that don't have angry customers, but the airlines that do have better customers, they know the trick too. Spirit has just changed that. Remember, Spirit used to be like the ghettoest airline ever. <laughs> they used to be, right? And so the trick of it is, now I, I, I've never flown Spirit. I've just heard about it, and I've seen them having fights outside of the gate. <laughs> so, but now I get on Spirit, and they Attitude, change. I believe goes along. It's a good form of protection to put people in a good mood. It puts people in a like. It does, but when you want to work with people, you want to be. You want people. That's a part of being a team. You want someone to be collaborative. You want them to 
you know, get along with everybody. Not you do. Rodney King. Can we all just get along? No, no, you you do. You do want them all to get along. And it, I, I get you. There's a time and place for everything. And I guess it's, just, you know, it's, it's just what you're showing outward. But yeah. it's it's inward. It's what you're feeling inside. I think for a woman to be able to have the power of saying good morning to everyone, it's, it's a power. Tr- I'm telling you, so it's a bit of a privilege. You have to have things in order because some... So you're saying people that don't have things in order are just not going to say good morning? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's not... To you, it's just simple. Because I could be having a bad day, but I'm still going to say good morning. You can have a bad day, and I've talked to you about this before. It's about being like protection. There's so many things. If I'm a single woman, number one, I've got to protect myself before I, I'm going to and from my car. Yeah, I got to protect myself when I'm talking to the so now to the plumber. Good morning to the men on the street. No, what I'm saying is all of these things allow you space to be to say, "Hey, good morning. Let's knock this out." Number one, you feel validated, reassured in yourself. That's what that's that's what a person who says "Good morning, how you doing?" kind of means. I feel valued and reassured in myself. Okay. It's not a simple good morning because okay. the person who doesn't feel valued and reassured in themselves and feels like they need to like protect themselves mm-hmm. doesn't push good morning. They don't bounce around the office and say good morning. Okay. But the person that does you. feel that feels that way. So it is a form of protection and defense mm-hmm. mechanism mm-hmm. to address the room in a good morning, hello, how you doing? Because it also sets, you are setting now the tone. So it's a very mm-hmm. powerful thing to do to set the tone of the room. And I guess that's but you benefit. have to check yourself sometimes and realize, why am I not saying good morning? What is it taking out of me? It, well, the reason why I can't is because of X, Y, Z over here. It's not about, oh, we don't bring our problems to work. You're a freaking human being. You're a freaking human being and you do come to work. As much as you try to stuff that shit down, while you're sitting there in the office and someone says something, it's going to pop up. Uh, it does. It does. It's going to pop up. Saying good morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. We are just, and then you you That's what happens when you're a writer. You know. When you got to psychoanalyze everything. Maybe. Maybe. I'm going to say good morning. I'm going on my But way. it's all the reasons why you can say good morning. But I could be having a bad day. It, it, your bad day is different from other people's <laughs> bad days sometimes. That's all I'm The woman who is having a problem with good morning, if, if, you, if everyone in the office is like, oh my gosh, she's so rude, she doesn't say good morning. If that's how they approach, right? That's the approach. That's usually the standard, the group think. Oh my gosh, she's so rude. She doesn't say good morning. I don't know if they do that with men. Nope. He must be thinking. He must be on his major deal. He must have got to go see the C-suite today. They don't do that with men. But for some reason, women need to be the wives at work to everybody. Good morning. How you doing? Let me make sure you have a good day. That's your good day. I don't like. Why do I care? The they have to be the nurturer. Why? I why gotta be this person at work? I got you, and I, I appreciate the depth of this conversation and where you took it, because I just wanted to say good morning and be on my way. That's it. And but you're right because you know what? I want you to know that I have a good attitude. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. So you're right. <laughs> exactly. So I, I give you a high but you, you care. Because I, mean, <laughs> I believe that attitude is everything in the workplace. It, it's, it's. But the pass is not given on the other side. The, I don't get a pass for no, being don't. strict and being focused about my day. No, you don't. I don't get a pass for that. But the man. to me. Then I get compared to you. But the yeah. man definitely is, oh, he's focused. Oh. It's a. 
a man's a man's world is definitely different than a woman's world. What if Hillary Clinton was president and she went around to the office? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. No. I'm a boss. I'm a walk in this bitch. <laughs> like, y'all can say good morning. Oh, Lord. It, you got to have some testosterone. It is not testosterone. Why no, is that testosterone? Let me tell you something. So, my husband is listening to this stream for, you know, what he's doing. And he actually came out on the stream and said that women that are CEOs in corporate America actually juice up so that they could get that extra. Hmm, of testosterone to feel as if they could be in control. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, Google it. I didn't Google it. And maybe we need to Google it right now. <laughs> but I was like, I don't believe that. But hey. Women taking testosterone? Yes. CEO women taking testosterone. I, I am going to Google it. I'm going to see. Yeah. Because he was really adamant about that on that stream. And I was like, Testosterone for the female CEO article comes out in 2022. So it just came out. Wow. Okay, what does it say? So this article um, says... Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if it's getting there with that, with that kind of thing. I don't see that. They say less testosterone. Acting powerful raises women testosterone according to the cut and this was in 2005 acting power acting powerful do you hear that when women simply act as if they're powerful this apparently is enough to cause a measurable physiological change in their bodies substantial one at that acting like a boss literally increases a woman's testosterone levels by 10 percent on average <laughs> yes so you're trying to say this is all hormonal I'm saying that being the good wife at work, it can be a plus, but to me, it feels like I have to buy into the patriarchal system. The good mom, the good wife yeah, says good and morning. you know what? My experience was a little different because a girlfriend had to keep her contract. So you buy into the pay. So listen, here's the thing. You buy into the system for your own needs, to get exactly. your own needs met. You exactly. blow up the system when you don't... Crap, you know, you don't give you a don't crap give about a crap. that. So it's a way to blow up the system, but the fact that the system exists is why all this happens. Mm -hmm. If you're saying, if you're the one that's saying good morning all the time and you're you're kicking ass, great. But there's some that's saying good morning and not kicking ass, and you're probably just around just even because you're not fit for that job. But then there's some, if I don't say good morning, I don't have the extra layer of protection because it does offer a layer of protection that white men think I'm pleasurable and not angry. Angry black women, here we go. Is it not true? Yeah, when you true. say good morning, they don't think of it you is. as an angry black woman. You're right. So there's you're your protection. Right. Because now if you are quiet, you're the angry black woman. To be the angry black woman. So I, wow. in this skin, am a walking political statement all because I didn't say good morning. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Why? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Good conversation. I like it. I, I, you know, it's a different perspective, and I like it. it. AZ always does that. She always goes deep on me because it is a privilege to be able to say good morning, and it's a privilege not to, depending on what system and what bills you got to pay. <laughs> so I got it. I get it. I get it. I get it. All right, we're gonna move on to the next segment and have our what to do in the workplace. Okay, so there was this other um, article that came out 
I don't know if she actually did an interview or not, but Nia Long, our, one of our queens, one of our queens, like, gosh, she looks amazing. She said she does an exercise. And I'm like, okay, okay. You might, I mean, I appreciate yeah, that you're chilling and all that, but I just need you to, to Angela Bass and me in about mm-hmm. 10 years. So come on now. But anyway, so Nia Long says that she's watched men get rich off of her films that she was done while she was getting paid complete peanuts. And when she expected or requested more, she was considered difficult, outspoken, entitled, and all the things as used to describe a woman who has to earn her space, her place, and delivers. And that applies to everyone, she says, not just me. And so this article comes out and I'm thinking like, okay, what do you do for as a woman in the workplace? You can be all the things you're supposed to be and you still are considered like you're asking for too much. You're pushing too much. Who does she think she is? Mm. How do you negotiate those expectations from the gate for our college women, right? For our women who are like entering into a new job and for the women who are up for performance review. It's performance performance review time. And it's, you got to lay down some things you want to do, like a, a, some expectations you have from your manager and what your manager has for you. And that's can it can be considered that you are taking up space or you are being entitled. I've spoken true, and I think you've been accused of that as well. Yes, right. Definitely. And yeah. it's like, who are you? Why? I mean, you're good. You drive this car. You're wearing this jewelry. You are good. Like, why do you need more? Oh. How do you set those expectations up up front? Okay, so all and that was. A lot to unpack in that because I'm going to try to break it down. So you said college kid. So when you get a job out of college, the first thing they're going to judge you by, or as a college kid, you're reading the job description, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to get the job. You know it says, oh, you need to perform these 10 things. But what I would do is start my brag sheet. So okay, what did I do to get the job in the first place? So what do I bring to the table? I would start my list. Sit with my manager as soon as I get the job. Hey, this is why you hired me. Let me remind you of what I could bring to the table. Let's talk about your expectations of me because not only do I want to meet them, but I want to exceed them Mm. because I hold myself with a standard of excellence. Let's talk about my career path. How long do I have to be in this position? What's the next job for me? Where do I, where can I grow with this company? Mm -hmm. And create that rapport so that they know that you mean serious business, but now you're going to always have to Stay in that zone. You're going to have to learn your craft, make sure that you're the best you could be, that you are reliable, you're dependable, you're responsible. They know that they can trust you, that they'll always come to you. Now, I think if you stay on that path, consistency sh- always is good. Yes, you could, you should be in the mix. So, the next part of that is you got to know your worth. At the end of it all, know your worth. If you don't know your worth, you get lost in the shuffle. 
and you will get taken advantage of and you won't get what you are deserving. So if I have my expectations of, I guess, of this is what you can expect from me, then the uh, the reverse of that is what do you, what I expect from you. Mm-hmm. I expect that you will come to me and give me constructive feedback mm-hmm. because that's the only way that I'm going to grow. That's the only way that I'm, I'm going to know that I or I didn't do something right. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be a two-way street of community. It needs to be, you know. What do you expect from a manager in a job? I expect that you're going to be my advocate. You hired me in the first place. So you hired me because you saw something in me. So let's get this party started. You hired me to fulfill whatever goals and objectives, Mm -hmm. whatever opening you had that you thought that I could. Does this work for the person who's decided to work at a fast food restaurant? I'm sitting over here at Chick-fil-A and I say, hey, these are my expectations. Even though I'm going to be in this job until I go to college, this is what I expect and this is what I expect from you. It depends on how serious you are. Like The practice needs to start early, right? Like It does. Yeah. I mean, I think you need to have that rapport with whoever your leader is. Mm. So it might not be at the same level. Yeah, but it would be a food food service manager, for instance. Yeah, why not? I mean, I want to be the best that I want to be in anything that I do. Do you do this in relationships with children? Uh, yeah. Friend, friends? Yeah. Well, you might not. You, you might skip the beat now and again because <laughs> you might make some assumptions based on Yeah, we all, I mean, every time we make an assumption, it doesn't turn out too no, well. No, People disappoint. All the time. Mm-hmm. But when they show up and you, hey, that wasn't in my anticipation of how this was going to turn out. Mm-hmm. So are you prepared to quit? In, in any situation. In any situation. Well, I think you have a conversation first. I mean, is this job not making? Is not? Is it not fulfilling? How many times do you give the person or the job to screw up or not meet your expectations? For you accept that they're not, and then you accept that they're not capable of it, and you move on, whether it's the job or a person. Are you rocking the core of who I am, and I cannot sleep, mm. and I cannot function? And it, it's wreaking havoc in your body, in my it's... inner spirit. Why and did you stay in your job longer than expected? Oh my, yeah, because you're miserable. And everybody no, I'm asking you. Like, Why you, I, I know you job? stayed in a, a job trying to push towards change. Because I always have to see something to the end. Ha. Huh. That's part of your core values. That's a part of my core value. If I committed to getting it done, mm-hmm. I'm going to get it. And I know that I could be successful. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to get it done. So that's the reason why you stay even when your expectations are not met. Yes. Now, which job are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names and put it all up on blast. I ain't, I ain't doing that. Um, We're not yeah, going to do that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, Things that you put to the side to, to finish what you start. Do you believe that women of color, brown, black, sometimes Asian, I mean, women of color, do you believe that they will ever get their fair shake from a white male corporation? It's all about capitalism. It's all about the, the bottom line. I don't think all cultures operate like that 
So you have Taraji P. responding to this article. And Taraji P. Henson says um, she wasn't paid her worth until Tyler Perry gave her her just due. And Shonda Rhimes was lowballed by ABC, mm-hmm. despite making the network billions, mm-hmm. billions of dollars. And Gabrielle Union said the same. Um, it took women, um, when she sued, I think it was America's Got Talent, because she wasn't getting paid enough. Oh, I didn't know. Wow, I didn't know. I didn't know. And she had a, I guess, a, I guess, issues in the workplace. Don't quote me on that. I have to look up that article. So it sounds like there's just a system. It's a system of looking at black women mm-hmm. and thinking that we're not worthy of that. What right? They are. Exactly. Because as a culture, mm-hmm. that we need more white counterparts, well, white male counterparts, to see our strengths and our ourselves differently right now you have ceos turning into men right hillary clinton would never wear a a dress she would only wear a pantsuit because everything she does be scrutinized to be compared to a man so how do we get you've got hollywood saying hey we're not getting paid enough even though i can i can hit you shonda rhimes can actually hit you with the receipts no we just need to boycott Women just don't. Didn't need they do to that show. in Spain? Oh, I, th- I think it was in Spain they did this. Stay home and do so, nothing and see where these corporations land. Because if you go to half of these companies, especially one in particular, it was all of us. So stay home and see what happens. Stay home, lose my house, no food in the refrigerator. Close the risk we have to take. Oof. I mean, if you want to fight for justice, what is, what is it going to take for us to get our fair share? Let me say this. So Long continues the article saying, I had to be scrappy. I had to ask for more. I've had to demand more. I've had to speak up. And it really was hurtful. Mm-hmm. You go into the project feeling like, do they really value me? Mm-hmm. Or am I just another Black woman supporting a story that focuses on men? Can we not live out this whole story as ourselves in corporate America? Or any blue collar, white collar, doesn't matter. It's the, she said, when, when we are the backbone of the story, when we are backbone of these corporations, mm-hmm. you can use the saying, building their business, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we need to be paid mm-hmm. appropriately. But if there's no success, there's no backbone. You know what? Um, and I think I read an article a while ago while we were doing our thing years ago. But if companies made the pay information public you think things would change i think it would change we've said this before if all pay information was public um it's gonna it would wreak havoc because i mean okay this 26 year old white man is gonna make two hundred and forty thousand dollars 26 you are 42 43 44 you've been in the industry for 20 plus years, and you're making $80,000 doing the same job. There's not a problem with that? There's a complete problem with that. Okay, so if I see that side by side on the computer. What will happen? The companies would be in uproar. You don't think there'd be a revolution? I would hope so. I would hope a lot of things. Okay, first of all, it can't be a union company. No, no, that's hard. Let's talk about the United States. Huh? Yeah, Union states are very, very hard to go through. What do you mean? I mean, we can get into that conversation if you want. Uh, no, let's not do the union because that, that's crazy. 
you know, this, if you Google how long we've been fighting for this and what women have done over the years, I mean. Is there one collective group that is fighting for women's pay rights? I mean, the Equal Rights Act, yeah, we know that uh, in 19. Really, the, the, the rock did, uh, what's her name? Uh, goodness. He signed a bill. Goodness gracious, I should know her name. Because we had it. Come on now, help me, Lily. I don't know why I feel the need to munch. I feel the need to munch all the time. Like right now, I want some popcorn. I, we got it. Like, yeah, I just, I just Here, need to on. crunch. Let me, let me, let me <laughs> Lily. Oh, my God. Lily, the bill. Pay gap bill. Pay gap bill. Wow. Um, paycheck fairness. Both, please. Pay gap bill sign. Well, even if it is, my 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 thoughts were that if you have more. All right, I'm going to just quick history lesson. We all know that movies were made for propaganda sake, mm-hmm. right? So the movie, this is popular right now because people have been doing studies on it, but Casablanca was made to get American people inside of the World War II, inside of World War II. That's mm-hmm. why Casa, uh, Casablanca was made. They can be more sensitive to the cause. The movies we know for sure are made for propaganda. And TV is made for the everyday man. It is made to see middle America so you can see yourselves on screen, so you can model this behavior. It's a way of societal control. Mm-hmm. When you don't see women in the workplace managing these positions, when I saw Scandal, I popped out like, oh my gosh, it made you present different. Yes, she's a, a black woman having sex in an affair with a white man who was not, you know, presenting her well but even at the end of that we saw a black woman in power and we hadn't seen that we haven't seen that it's far and few in between we know that reality tv is good because the black women are in it we don't want to see black men we don't want to see men period like they're not as interesting no one is entertaining as a black woman Mm -hmm. like just what it is sad to say uh yeah Uh, hello pop culture Uh, it's just what it is like we proliferate through that thing mm -hmm. so don't get i'm not Mm -hmm. even gonna get started too far on the nigerian situation but Oh. At any rate, we're okay. going to put that all over there to the side. Oh, all over there to the side. But the point of this is, in order for us to break down barriers, people, people have to see us differently. I mean, yes, we are voluptuous. We are beautiful. We are looks oh, last Lord. longer than the average. But they do need to see, like television does serve us, the average I agree woman I in agree. corporate America and how we deal in managed situations. Not just the Hollywood people doing that. So how do we do that? You know, that's why you got writers and producers. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do hope that the work we're doing with our production, 61 Cents, will play into that a lot, actually, and offer something. Yes, I definitely hope so. Because, like you said, you can't be who you can't see. And... Scandal did us justice because we were able to see a powerful woman in corporate America. And we're going to, we can build it up. 
if we can make this powerful show and we'll sell it to a white man, most likely Jewish, and they'll make money off of us and then we're right back in the same situation. (laughs) (laughs) Hold up. Careful, we're trying to... We want the podcast. You see what you got to (laughs) do? Dave Chappelle says. Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny because it's like damage you do and damage you don't. How do you win? I'm telling we need to do like them Spanish women. They said, oh, we're going to get rid of abortion. This Spanish woman said, oh, yeah? Oh, for real? We ain't going to work. We're not having sex. We're not cooking. We ain't doing nothing. They didn't pass that law. They went on strike. Women went on strike in Spain. It was like, see, F you. See, I didn't think that's what we When all- you have to all come together, however... You can't. I mean, it's gonna have to be allies, advocates, like-minded people. But we're in a capitalistic state. We're not a group state. We're not a group thing. What happens to you doesn't happen to me, according to America. So I need to look out for me. So that whole golden rule that I told you, I hated since I was eight years old in the auditorium. I was like, this shit don't make no sense. Do unto others as others do unto you. I'm just living my life. How do you do to you? How do you do to you first? (laughs) How do you do to you before you do to me? And it's the people in my circle. And and whoever those acquaintances are, or whoever the work people are, it's just formalities. It's just professional. It's dealing with you at a different level. True. But when you say that rule, it's flawed. It is not flawed in the community kind of setup, right? It's not flawed in Spain. It's not flawed because that, that woman's problem is my problem too in Spain. But what? that woman's problem is not my problem here in America. But I'm going to fight for you. If you're in the, if you're in the, if the you're wheelhouse. In my, yeah, if you're, in my, if you're in my wheelhouse, if you're in my space, mm. I'm going to fight for you. Would you not fight for me? Of course I would. Okay. Because Why would you fight for me? I'm that kind of person that would, though. Okay. So right? Because I'm not a self-thinker. Like, yes, I protect myself. I fill my cup up before I can help you, others, for sure. Mm-hmm. But of course I would. But there are a lot of women who just don't have that mindset. That's right. And, and, and that's okay. Because no, no. I mean, and it's I, not about uh, their ethnicity either. I agree with right? that. Because there are some women of color. That will not fight for you. No, they're out to get because what they're they want. out to get what they want because they're selfish. And you and are not about me. Like they are true capitalists, and they usually win. Oh, really? Karma's a bitch. It's come around somehow. We're gonna call her. Um, let me see. We're gonna mention somebody, and we'll see your reaction. But let's see. What, I'm gonna find her name. We're gonna we're gonna call her Phoenix. We're gonna call her Phoenix. Okay. All right. That's the best name I got. I guess. We call her Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So Phoenix over at that little company mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, that black woman right there has a job that I want. Mm-hmm. Let me bounce her out of the way and trash talk her so she can get fired." Her name started with an F. I know. I'm with you. I get it. I, so- <laughs> I, I, I was with you at the very beginning. So it's- Phoenix is not happy with herself. Phoenix. Is not beautiful on okay. the inside. So I'm gonna bring this back. Do unto others as do unto you. Okay, so that's why the golden rule is flawed. Okay, so tell Because why? Phoenix isn't happy with herself. So what she's doing to herself isn't good. So don't do that onto me. But she is living the golden rule, in honesty. What she feels about herself is what she's doing to you. So that's why that rule is flawed. <laughs>
<laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> now, it's up to you <laughs> to protect what I'm saying. It comes, it, it comes with some rules. Now, if you recognize that Phoenix is a bitch and she's only out for herself, Leave Phoenix on alone. Leave Phoenix alone because she don't <laughs> deserve to be in, in your space of blessings, of light. Because she ain't looking out for the good of the rest of us. Because she ain't get the code. She ain't get that we're supposed to be here protecting each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she ain't happy with herself. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up this episode? I just want to encourage the ladies with style and grace <laughs> in the place that's right to all the ladies in the place with style and grace that no matter what no matter what obstacle you face no matter what you're going through just keep pushing through it because at the end of it all what did you say? Consistency. Consistency always wins today. Always day. wins. And perseverance. And, you know, like you said, we're strong. We're strong women that have been through some shit historically, regardless of where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in my Jamaican heritage, I mean, heck, we all got dropped off somewhere. Different islands, different yeah. states. We proliferated that bloodline everywhere. So, mm-hmm. We got a you know, band together and try to figure this out and figure out how we win together. How we win together. Well, that wraps up this episode of Properly Brainwashed. I love that name. I'm out of call.